Hello, my praying people, and welcome to the Prayer Clinic Podcast. The Prayer Clinic Podcast is a place where we talk about a whole lot of different things, most of them related to the kind of really incredible relationship that we get to have with our Heavenly Father, a relationship that makes a very real difference in our lives every single day, a relationship that's rooted in great communication. And so we talk about all things prayer. We also are passionate about getting your church to be a prayer-powered church. We believe that when we pray, God works. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And um, so welcome to the Prayer Clinic podcast. One of the things that you may not know about me is that for many years, I don't know how many, I haven't taken the time to count them up, I served as a ministry multiplier for Lifeway Christian Resources. My um, my boss there was the beautiful Chris Adams, who was the women's ministry consultant for Lifeway Christian Resources. And she gathered an incredible group of women from across the United States. She gathered us together to go with her when we went out to do um, church leadership training events just all over the place, from sea to shining sea. And during the years that I served in that role for Lifeway Christian Resources, I had the privilege of getting to rub elbows and to share ministry with some of the most amazing women's ministry leaders that we have in our in our nation. And in this particular podcast, as part of our Truth About Women series, I am introducing you to two of those women. One is the amazing Chris Adams, who, if you've listened to my podcast for a long time, you got to hear her tell her story and about she and her daughter's story, which was amazing. And I'll link that to our show notes in the podcast today. But anyway, you've gotten to meet her before and you're going to love her in this uh, conversation that she and I got to have with our mutual friend and another um, just pioneer in the area of, of women's ministry in the local church, Simone Monroe. So Simone is originally from Alabama. Chris is originally from Texas. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. They both have served the churches in Texas. And of course, Chris is my neighbor to the north now in Tennessee because when she started working for Lifeway, she moved here to Tennessee. And um, she lives north of Nashville. I live south of Nashville. And Simone is coming to us from Texas. But the three of us are getting together to talk about the two Marys. And these are Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then Mary Magdalene, the one who got to share the news of Jesus's resurrection um, when he first came back, resurrected from the dead. So just know that this is our ongoing part of our Truth About Women series, where we're talking about what Christianity really is about and how different that is from what the world is uh, accusing Christianity of being today, that God values women and just as he values every human being, that God made us in his very own image and that it's as we understand who we are in Christ that we can live our best lives. So you're in for a treat today. You're going to enjoy this conversation that Chris, Simone, and I got to have together as we talk about the two Marys. Enjoy.
Hello, my praying people. I am thrilled to introduce you to two women that I admire so much, women that have been leaders in women's ministry for many years, more than we're going to say in this podcast today. <laughs> but cumulative, we probably go all the way over a century of years together, I would think, if we added them together. But Chris Adams is um, coming to us from her home in uh, Middle Tennessee, up in Hendersonville, and Simone Monroe is coming to us from her home in Texas. And it is just a delight really for the three of us to get to be on here together this afternoon. But it's it's a real thrill to me to get to share um, the hearts and the lives, the ministries, the minds of these women with you as we continue uh, to discuss the truth about women. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've been talking about um, God's truth about women and who we are and how we were created in the image of God to relate and to live. And we've had um, a conversation already uh, just recently with Rachel Loving Good talking about Jesus and women. And uh, Rachel and I were able to have a great uh, conversation about two desperate women that Jesus talked with. But today, Simone and Chris and I are going to talk about two Marys, two Marys that are in Jesus's life and the significance of them in the greater um, picture of Christianity altogether. The first Mary being the mother of Jesus and then the second being Mary Magdalene, who, um, if I'm not mistaken, is the one who was given the opportunity to share the news of Jesus's resurrection um, even with the other disciples. So these two women are just incredibly significant. I feel like at both the front um, of Jesus and beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then at the end of his earthly ministry after his resurrection. And um, so anyway, um, I want to introduce you to Simone and to Chris. So Chris and Simone, could y'all tell us just briefly a little something about yourselves and um you know whatever you want to share, and then we'll jump into our conversation. So um Chris, if you would go first. Sure, I'd be happy to. I do live uh, just north of Nashville. I've been married uh, 51 years now to my husband, Pat. Uh, we have uh, twin daughters that are grown. I'm a Mimi to many and a great Mimi to four. Yeah, <laughs> so good. We, uh, we, uh, how all that happened, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's <laughs> where I am in family. Um, I served on a church staff back in Texas, not far from where Simone lives, uh, for a number of years doing women's ministry and missions education. Uh, most of that part-time, a little bit full-time, and then the Lord called me to come to Nashville to serve at Lifeway, uh, training women's leaders back in the day when we didn't really even know what we were doing. We were just yeah. trying to figure out how to minister effectively to women in current times, uh, which is what we're still doing, aren't we? Uh, yes. Things not change, but we did, uh, uh, I did get to do that for a little over 22 years, loved it in retirement now since 2017, uh, but certainly not uh, uh, stopping ministry, just not doing it as a, a vocation at this point. Uh, still love to speak and teach women uh, anytime I have an opportunity and I get to spend a little more time in my own church, uh, it, where I've been involved for many, many years, but uh, now have a little more time to uh, disciple women. And I've been leading a life group for about 14 years. And since I retired, I started doing D groups. I do a new one every year to 18 months of young women and just the greatest joy uh, to get to do that and walk with these gals this long and then launch them out to do the same thing with others. Uh, in my spare time, I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. I love the beach. 
Um, and I really enjoy the unhurried time I get to have with the Lord on the deck in the mornings, which I did not get to have in that way. I always had time with the Lord in the mornings, uh, even if it was really short uh, and thinking about the commute I was about to make it downtown and hope there was no problem. <laughs> now I just get to spend that time as long as I want most mornings. So it's really a blessing. That's great. That's great. Simone, tell us about you. Well, I live in Texas, uh, actually in a suburb of Dallas, and like Chris said, uh, we are not, I'm not very far from where she was when she served at Green Acres, and uh, I have been a pastor's wife, a staff wife, uh, I was on staff for about 28 years total between two churches as the women's ministers, minister and then uh, have also now become a, a layperson again because <laughs> so, I think I retired in 2019 and at the end of 2019 but I'm still like uh, Chris I'm not going to retire from ministry because I think God calls us and he calls each of us to minister as long as we live in some way and so I have the opportunity to work with a mom study which is a ministry that I had started at Lake Point Church when I was a uh, women's minister there and I'm still working with them, and then also still doing still doing some speaking, but mainly uh, just uh, working as a consultant and training and teaching and leadership, which is my heartbeat about ministry is how do you find and train and and all. I have two grown sons and they're beautiful wives. I have nine grandchildren, five uh, girls and four boys, and so it is just uh, a delight to be with them and have more time to do those kinds of things which you don't really have when you're working full-time. You can't just drop everything and go see the kids. And that's fun to do. I love it. I just, I'm just sitting here back. Go ahead. Chris. I was just going to say, Simone and I actually met each other while I was still in Texas. Uh, okay. Connected between our churches while she was at First Dallas and I was at Green Acres. So that we've known each other a long time. <laughs> I love that. And a neat little tidbit is the current pastor at Lake Point, Josh Howerton, was actually a pastor right in my little town in Tennessee, just like a, a rock's throw from Thompson Station. He was at um, in Spring Hill at the Bridge Church. And so we got to be right next door to him. And now he's off in, in Texas there at your church, Simone, where you serve for so long. I bet you do. We love him, too. They are. They are great. He was baptized this past Sunday. Oh, that's great. I'm excited about that. That's so neat. That's so neat. Well, in our conversation then about women, we're going to talk about um, these women. Let's talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And just... Um, unpack kind of, you know, we won't even take time to read the scripture necessarily, but we know that she is the one who the angel came to and said, um, you know, behold, you've been chosen. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And she, I love her only response to that, um, to the angel Gabriel telling her, you're going to give birth to the, to the Christ, to the son of God. And her only response is, well, how can that be? Not not in a disbelieving way, but in more of a curiosity way. And, um, you know, be it done to me, as you have said. And then we have the great Magnificent where she's worshiping the Lord that he would choose her to have such an honored position. And all of that tends in my mind to set Mary like way up in a, in a place. 
<laughs> that's kind of unattainable for us ordinary women. But let's talk about Mary a minute and just give me some of your thoughts about her and um, her her role in the great big story of Christianity. You want either one of us to start? <laughs> I yes, I can call out. I feel like a teacher today. I get to pick who gets to go first. So you go ahead, Chris, and then Simone can follow up. Okay, well, let me say this. If you're hearing a bunch of booming in the background, we have rain pouring down and thunder. We're thrilled to have it, but I am so sorry <laughs> if it comes across on the I actually did hear it a minute ago. So yay, yeah, we do need yeah, rain in Middle Tennessee. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the fact that she was an ordinary woman, um, that that's who God chose. And what mm -hmm. I think about her is just uh, her, her humility in this, this, this thing God had laid on her. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, imagine being this humble little gal who probably had all kinds of dreams for her future. And now God just came and really turned those upside down. Mm -hmm. And yet her response we see was one of awe and worship, even though she did ask the question, as you said, it was you know, I, I don't understand how this can happen, but it was not, it was not a doubt that he was giving her, or she was giving him, it was strictly how you're going to do it because she yeah. knew he could do it. So it was just her obedience. Um, I think her, mm. her, her faithfulness, uh, she'd been brought up to be a good Jewish, Jewish girl. And uh, she knew God was who he said he was. And, and she proved it by what she did to respond to her assignment. Yeah, that's good. I always think about exactly what you said, Chris. Uh, it reveals a young woman who is so uh, uh, unusually faithful and yet so humble. And mm -hmm. she, uh, she basically was so highly favored, like you said, Glenn, uh, the fact that God used her as the vessel to bring the light of the world into, into humanity. Mm -hmm. And now as women, he can use us that same way. Well, in a, a different way, but he can use us to allow him to shine through us to the world. And they can see that same light is what I was meaning to say. Mm, that's good. And I love the point that you're making that she could have had her own dreams and ambitions about her upcoming life. But here was God bringing a huge um, different path than what she might have imagined. And her response was, well, be it done to me, as you have said. And that challenges me a little bit because sometimes I, I feel like things happen in my life that very much um, tip over my little apple cart of where I think I'm going and the apples are all scrambling. <laughs> and my response is not immediately, okay, Lord, now just show me what you're up to. My response is usually, oh my goodness, Lord, do you see what's going on here? You know, but for hers just to have been obedient. She was just immediately obedient. Immediately obedient. Yeah. Which really demonstrates her her faith. Like yeah. what she believed about God. Yeah. Yeah. And her humility. I think you used the word, Chris, humility, because it also she was willing to let God be God in her life. Like, and she just was going to yield herself to trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good invitation, a good invitation to us. Well, what, any other thoughts about Mary at that, um, these early parts, any thoughts that you've had about her in relationship to, you know, being a woman and what her calling was in the early parts, meaning, um, you know, 
conceiving and giving birth to Jesus. Any other thoughts that you've had connected to that before we run forward to his public ministry? I think just the fact that she had to give everything up in her life, not just mm -hmm. her purpose, uh, but her reputation in the community, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. her fears of what are people going to say? Mm -hmm. um, she laid all of it down. Uh, I remember the first time I really realized in my life that God had a specific purpose for me this side of heaven. Uh, mm -hmm. It wasn't just to make it to heaven, you know, one day, and I had to figure out life on earth. And it was during a season of infertility when I just thought, God, if, if I don't become my dream, which I don't know what Mary's were, but my dreams were to be a wife and a mom. That was my career path and everything yeah. I had planned and my dreams for my adulthood and and instead we faced infertility and the 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 question I came to is God if you don't give us children what am I supposed to do the rest of my life mm. and that was when he said to me very clearly although not audibly it was his his direction to me that you have a choice to either continue to seek your purpose on this earth or you can seek my purpose for you on this earth. And I will say at that moment, I was able to say, God, if you don't choose for us to have children, I, I, I wanna trust you and follow you with whatever it is you have. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I, I was willing at that point, but when he began to tell me he wanted me to speak in public and do this stuff that he called me to do through ministry, which I never planned, never sought, never thought about, would have not, pursued it I just it was just out of a heart for women mm -hmm. that this new level of of purpose came mm -hmm. um even though he did bless us with the adoption of, of twins but I I just again I thought that was it when he had something else and I did not go so willingly when he said that <laughs> right <laughs> I always said I'll never be a public speaker that'd be the last thing on this earth I would right. do. And yet as he made me stand in front of my church to speak for the first time after I had gone on church staff and I did everything to, to not do that, to get out of it. I was not the willing. I was the Moses in that. I can't speak so good. I can't yeah. do this. I'm not capable. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough, you know, whatever it, you know, excuses I could make. And so I, I feel like I totally was not like Mary in that moment yes. <laughs> because I just thought I can't do this. Um, yeah. But he showed me he does what we can't when he's yeah. called us to something. I think mine parallels yours. We talked about this, I think, before, Chris, the fact that neither one of us wanted a, wanted a, a job or a career in ministry, if you will, or even thought about it. That we both felt called to be a mom and, and, and a wife, and that's what we wanted to do with our lives. But God has other plans. And I'm like you. I mean, a lot of times, not every time, sometimes I go kicking and screaming. <laughs> and that's not what he would, you know, that's not what Mary did. She was just uh -huh. immediately obedient. Yeah. I just hearing she was immediately obedient. And that's uh -huh. what we do. I mean, to, uh -huh. to give up what you see and what you think is going to be. It's very difficult for all of us. Yes, yes. But in a way, also, it gives us um, a sense of purpose um, in, in knowing that when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would or when something comes along that interrupts the plan, that um, that's not, that's not a, a disaster 
that that it could be a divine um, opportunity right. and um, yeah. each of us. It doesn't catch God off guard. It catches right. us. But he knew all along that that's what was happening. And he has a better plan. But tr trusting that, you know, so her faith and her ability to, to completely trust when she didn't understand, because she didn't understand, I don't think, at this point, that that was her savior. I mean, yeah. she knew it was the son of God and all that, but I don't think she understood that he was not going to be a, a king on earth, just like the disciples didn't understand that. I don't, I'm not sure how much of that she understood at that point. Mm -hmm. those things and uh, I don't know it just overwhelms me well and she gave up so much more than we've been asked to give up you know oh absolutely I, I think of the you know just what he was really asking of her she was willing to give yeah. which was a lot yeah and, yeah and so faithful to do that and obedient and said okay Lord do it but I, and we can also see I love it. And, and we can also see when God gets his choice, <laughs> he wants to choose somebody <laughs> that's going to be immediately willing to just trust him, you know, and I was actually thinking about that and we're going to move on. But this uh, today, when my grandchildren were here in the mountains with us and they they were headed back home and I was thinking about um, all the ways that I spoiled them while they were here and that their mother was going to be aggravated with me because, I, you know, whatever they wanted, they got whatever. And I was thinking about how easy it is to spoil children when they're um, when they're being good, when they're when you you're confident and kind of where they're going and, you know, and how much harder I was actually thinking about how I'd love to just continually give to as much as I have the means to give to even my adult children. But um, when they're not following hard after God, that you have, you have to weigh everything, whether you give it or whether you don't give it, you're having to, you know, and I was thinking about that's how we are when we're not all in we probably are missing out on a lot of blessings because God would just generously continue to pour right. when he's not having to worry about whether or not he's using those blessings as um, ways of directing us or correcting us or, yeah. you know, and it's the same way with children. I know every parent has to think that way as to, am I giving them too much? And, and is it going to be more a deterrent to them or am I giving them, you know, really what they need? Do I need to hold right. back? So that, because yeah, they right. need this, not that. And how much easier it is when you're just, if you're, if they were totally aligned, if I'm totally aligned with the Lord, then he's going to give me everything I need. And I think we see that even in Mary, it was not easy what she did. Right. Absolutely not. But he did provide for her yeah. and, um, and gave her, you know, it wasn't a hotel room. I don't think anybody was in a hotel room when they traveled to Bethlehem. I don't think that was the day and age of hotel rooms, <laughs> but it was, um, a place where she gave birth to a healthy baby and, um, you know, recovered from that. And, and it's a beautiful story with all of our nativity scenes and that kind of thing. But the next place that I wanted us to talk about, Mary, is because this story fascinates me. And this is when they're at the wedding in Cana. Mm -hmm. And um, they, what they've run into is a crisis, but it's not a it's not a life or death situation. It's more of a saving face kind of a situation in a social setting. And ironically enough, Mary had already been the kind of person that gave up her reputation and all these things, even becoming Jesus's mother, but that's now 
you know, behind them 30 years. And um, so they've run out of wine and she comes to Jesus and she's telling him about this. And he says, well, it's not my time. And um, then instead of saying anything further, she just turns to the servants and says, do whatever he says. <laughs> so let's talk about that story um, just a little bit. What do you what, what is your take on that, on that particular situation, that encounter of that little glimpse into Mary and Jesus and their relationship when he was an adult? Simone, go ahead. I'll, I don't want to jump in in front of you. I'm not really sure other than she thought that he would show his power. She expected him to show how powerful, how uh, resourceful, whatever you want to call it, he was as God. And he wasn't doing that. And mm -hmm. I think that was, uh, uh, that was one of the signs to me that she didn't fully understand, you know, what mm -hmm. and how he was going to do what he was going to do. I think she understood maybe what he was going to do and that mm -hmm. he was God's answer to, to you know, the Messiah. But I don't think she understood that. Okay, good, good. Well, I feel like she had a mother's instinct. Mm. When I read this, I see it. You no, know, he didn't. The moment she told him there's a problem, Jesus, can you take, will you please take care of this? And she knew it would take a miracle for him to provide what somehow I think she had some sort of instinct mm. that, that there was something else here that had not been seen. And she was almost calling him out, uh, like coming out party is this wedding feast. And even though she sort of calls him out and he says, uh, it's not my time, he still did it. Yeah. So I, that's what tickles sure me is that yeah. it's like she almost had this, this thing from the Lord that said, this is the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, and I may be reading more into that than, than it's there, but mm. that's how I have always seen that story. It's like, she knew, I felt like she knew, she, I don't think she, I, I'm like Simone. I don't think she fully understood what was coming, you know, the cross and all of that. I just don't think she, mm -hmm. she got all of that, but I do think she knew something special was about to happen. Hmm. even though he told her it wasn't his time if he then why did he do it I guess that's what I wonder if that wasn't his right time, why did he do it and why did he say it's not my time and then turn around and do it hmm. so I don't understand all of that but mm -hmm. I I get tickled reading that just because I kind of see it from a mom's heart ready to 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 show her son off to the world and to say hmm. y'all don't know yet there's something more to this guy than you have ever seen so far. <laughs> and I don't think she had any idea what that would look like as he went about ministering and healing and doing all the things that he did. Yeah. Um, but I love the story of, of this particular situation in Cana. Um, and I'm like you, Leanne, I love the fact that she didn't really get upset. She didn't like, mm -hmm. she just looked at the servants and said, whatever he says, just do it. And, yeah. and that to me is, again, it's something for us, you know, even with what we talked about earlier with call, his calling us to things that we never planned and giving us a purpose that never looked like the one we thought we were going to have. But when he yeah. says to do it, that's what he expects is that we do it because that's what Mary yeah. did when she was given that very hard purpose yeah. <laughs> in life uh, and facing all the rejection she would face when she came up pregnant uh, without having been married. So I, I love the story. I love that take on it. 
What do you think, Simone, after hearing Chris say that? After hearing Chris say that, I can see what you're saying totally. And, you know, I think about as a mom, how you do want people to know how special your kids are. Yeah. Because he was even more special, obviously, because he was God incarnate. And she wanted, she was calling, I guess she was calling him out. I really hadn't thought about that that much. Uh, but I can see that totally. I love that. This is why Bible study is so cool to do with a group because people, you know, I love hearing different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love about that too, what came to my mind as you were talking about that, Chris, was um, how delighted God must have been when Mary's response to Gabriel was, be it done to me as you have said. And she just yielded herself. And then I wonder if when she turned to those servants and said, just, do whatever he says. If that struck in God's heart, he was like, yep, this is Mary. Like this, <laughs> this is my girl. Yeah. And so I'm going to do what she wants me to do because this is how she trusts me. I mean, how sweet is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Well, um, Mary has been certainly exalted by the Catholic Church and um, maybe other uh, prominent denominations too, but mostly the Catholic Church. I know they even pray to Mary. And of course, we as Protestants um, don't elevate her in that way, but she nonetheless has has great significance um, to our faith. And so um, let's talk a little bit about how... um, maybe why we don't elevate her to almost godlike like status, even though we respect and admire her. Let's talk about that just a little bit to clarify for people listening, because many people are probably most um, familiar with the Catholic um, view of Mary, more so than the Protestant view. I think part of it is, is that we have to understand, that we need to understand, God wants us to understand that because he was fully human and he was fully divine, that Mary was the, the part of him that gave that, that total humanity to him. Mm-hmm. And that God, the Holy Spirit, was the one who gave the deity to him. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to understand uh, that that's you know, her place, but it didn't make her special. She was totally human, just like mm-hmm. that. In the sense that it didn't make her special because God chose her. I don't think she wasn't special, but it right. didn't elevated to God's status. Right. Because God doesn't make a God in of any of us, and He says not to worship Him or Him because He is one true living. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I I agree with that, and and we know that there's no human person that we are ever ever mm-hmm. to elevate anywhere close to who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that he could have done this any way he wanted, I mean, Mm -hmm. he could have, you know, I don't know how, but he could have, he could have placed Jesus on the earth in some totally different way. But the fact that he chose a woman uh, Mm -hmm. and not the man's seed, but the woman, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to do this, I think says how much he loves women. For one thing, not more than men by any stretch of the imagination, but he loved and trusted the heart of this woman, Mm. which means now we, we know her and, and we'll always know her name because of her faithfulness. 
because as, as a humble woman, she has shown us an example of humility, even though she was the mother of the Messiah yeah. and her obedience, even though she was terrified. Yeah. Uh, such an example uh, to encourage us as women to walk in faith. I love that. Uh, referring to earlier when I said that, you know, through a woman, he chose, like you said, it's so special that he loved women and elevated our status as, as uh, in society because basically women were property in this day and time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, he elevated the status of women by allowing the God of the universe to become flesh through the vessel of a that just overwhelms me as to how special we are and yeah. as, as, as women. And then at the same time, I think sometimes we miss the fact that he lives in us. And because he does, as women, we have that ability to show that same light of the world, not in human form, but in godly form through our lives. You know, through the cracks of the things that we're broken through, that's where the light shines through. If we don't have any broken places, you can't see the light in a jar. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. And also the fact that, like you said, Chris, passed on to the seed of the woman, because I believe uh, strongly that says in Adam, all that. And I, I think that probably the sin was passed on by the father, is what that's saying. And so he chose a woman because... If she were, you know, if he, he was sinless and he had the DNA of Mary, but not of an earthly man. Hmm. And so the Holy Spirit was his, his father. And we know that. And so I think there's something very profound in the theology of all of that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, I think it's a picture, too, that if God could entrust Mary with this assignment, we cannot say God doesn't use women in ministry. <laughs> mm. uh, we'll see that with who we're going to talk about next too. But mm -hmm. if women think that Jesus did not like women, why would he have chosen a woman? Why would God, his father, have chosen a woman to be his earthly mother? Mm -hmm. Women were not important in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is one of the most beautiful pictures of God using women as mm -hmm. a part of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, and it, it does seem to me when you really dig into the word and come to it with, a, um, with the willingness to um, seek out the cultural context that some of the original writers were writing in, you can see throughout scripture that God was actually saying the exact opposite of what he's being accused sometimes in the lies of this current culture of accusing him of. God was in no way a misogynist. At every opportunity, he was showing that women were to be valued and taken care of and not treated like they had begun to be treated, which I believe was all a part of the patriarchal uh, mistreatment of women is all a part of the fall. That's all a part of sin coming into humanity that men would rule over rather than rule together. And um, so at every turn, both in the Old Testament and the New, and we've tried to point that out in these, the, these episodes that I've done, um, God comes out, comes into the scene to say what you're saying. He's giving value to women. And, and you're right. He could have brought himself, even in human form, 
um, without having to go through the messy process of doing it exactly the way we are, we are created and formed. And, you know, it's a timely conversation, too, because when we're recording this, Roe v. Wade just got turned over in the federal level. And, of course, the, the um, abortion issue is going back to the states. And so it's been a volatile issue in the news right here lately. And, and I'm thinking about this young girl who is definitely an unplanned pregnancy. Nobody believed that it was conceived of God, you know, there, all the evidence was that she was just having a baby and um, her, what we believe even in this conversation we're having right now was that she and that baby were two distinctly different people. The baby was not an extension of her. <laughs> he was um, conceived in her. And, you know, when I first moved to Thompson Station, Tennessee, the General Motors had just opened a plant in Spring Hill, right down the road where your good pastor used to serve, um, Simone. And the women that were moving in were all from Michigan because they were people that had worked for General Motors up north and they had come south. And they had several sayings that were different than ours. And one of them was that they were pregnant for their children, not with their children. We were in the South, we're pregnant with the baby. You know, I'm, I'm pregnant with this baby. And, but they would say, I'm pregnant for this baby. And I always thought that was a really neat, significant difference. It's basically saying, I'm willing to loan my body and all of the discomfort and um, inconvenience and whatever else comes along with that to allow this person who's distinctly their own person to be developed here until it it comes into the world you know and that is um I, I think Simone you said it so beautifully that the the DNA was both her human component and God's divine that's just a really neat way to think of that in that context if we think about it through the, through the ages women have more natural intuition to spiritual or, or, or drawing to spiritual things I think and men by the very nature of who we are because we're emotionally oriented rather than you know, logically oriented and, mm -hmm. and so there's a difference in how men and women react and respond to things but I think that he said he saw in Mary and in choosing the woman he's saying I understand that you understand spiritual things and you're really drawn to them in a way that a man is not not that the men aren't, it, right. it, but it's a different way. It's yes. a being drawn. And I think women are attuned sometimes more because of that emotional aspect of their drawing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So while we admire Mary and she was, uh, what an amazing, we can, as women, we can just kind of think, wow, how cool that must have been to be you know, chosen to the, for the son of God to come into this world through her own. I mean, think of the intimacy of that and the closeness and the connectivity that they had, even, even to the point that when Jesus is being crucified, he's speaking to his disciples about her well-being. You know, she, we were, he died for all of us. And while he was doing that, he still, it makes me want to cry, but he still had compassion on what that was costing her because of her obedience. And that's a, yeah, it's just no way not to not to just be inspired by Mary and inspired by um, the intimacy of God and how closely connected with us he he desires to be. So let's move on before I start crying over Mary. 
about Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. So who was she and um, what had Christ done, done for her? So you girls, you tell us the story of Mary Magdalene and kind of where she first comes on the scene and who she is. Chris, you go ahead and start. You've done some research. Well, Mary, <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary. It's a, it's a natural thing for us to think she was a prostitute, which there is nothing in scripture that ever says she was a prostitute. Okay. Uh, she, was, she, she was from Magdala, which is why she's called Mary Magdalene, which was around uh, Galilee. And uh, she was... Jesus cast seven spirits out of her. Okay. Um, so we know the spirits were evil, but we don't know what her, what, what those spirits were, or we don't know mm -hmm. what her life was that she, what she did as a result of those spirits being within her. We don't okay. really know any of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was one of many of several women that traveled with Jesus as he was doing his ministry, supported him with their finances, which means she probably was a wealthy woman. Mm -hmm. um, she was there at the crucifixion, along with the other women that were there. She was there when they put him in the tomb and put the rock over it. She sat and looked at the rock after it was placed there. She came, she was the first one to come the next morning uh, to, uh, or the uh, three, excuse me, three days later that morning um, mm -hmm. to take care of what needed to be done to, to bury him fully. Um, and she was the first one that Jesus revealed himself to when he came back to life. And you had mentioned earlier about having given her the, 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 uh, she was told to go and tell the disciples what had yeah. happened, that he yeah. had risen. And in that day and time, uh, you know, Simone, you alluded to this a while ago, a woman was not really respected as far as being knowledgeable and having wisdom and having a testimony that was true. She was not a witness in court. They would not let women do that. There was only the men. And yet again, just like Mary being the one chosen to bear God's son, it was a woman that Jesus revealed himself to first and gave her the assignment to go and tell the disciples. And yeah. the funny thing is the disciples in one, one context, I can't remember, uh, it was in Luke, in the, Luke 24, their response was, what you're saying is foolish. Oh, wow. Right. Kind of a typical response when a woman would, you know, mm -hmm. say something like that. You're mm -hmm. a woman. Why would that, you know? And yet mm -hmm. that's who Jesus revealed himself to. That's another assignment <laughs> she was given uh, yeah. for her to go and be the one that told the disciples. And that makes her the first evangelist. And I had never mm -hmm. thought about that until just recently. She was the first one to tell the good news. Yeah. Mm. You know, and just to have that place in history that can never be taken from her. No. And we don't know, like Chris, like you said, we don't know what this, her life was like with these demons, but I know in that area of Magdalene, in the research that I've done, that, that a lot of the demon possession that Jesus, you know, relieved people of these demons and, and cast them out, a lot of it was in that area. So there must have been some sort of concentration mm -hmm. in that area of evil and evil worship and all. And, and it's not, you know, I think a lot of times when we see something about uh, had, you know, had a demon or evil spirit that we probably think, oh yeah, they just had a, um, they were depressed or 
So I don't think it was that way. I think they really sometimes even went insane because of these demons and how they were fighting within the flesh of this person when they were, and she had seven of them, not one, not two, seven. Wow. So I, I imagine her, even though she may have had wealth and all of those things, which I agree, she probably was a wealthy woman. Mm-hmm. She probably had a miserable life until Jesus cast out those demons. Mm. Mm-hmm. She, she has also been mistaken. Leanne and I talked earlier about this mm-hmm. as, as having anointed Jesus's feet. Now that's possible, but we don't know that because mm-hmm. it, it was, she was accused of being a prostitute, yeah. the, the one who anointed his feet. Right. So again, yeah. you know, I, maybe that was her thing, but we don't know that it was never, she was never, uh, it was never clearly said in scripture that she was a prostitute and that was part of the demons that were within her. Yeah. That's, that's not clear. So, you know, could it be, I guess it's possible, but a lot of people take it for granted that, that it was Mary Magdalene that was the mm-hmm. prostitute who anointed his feet or right. his mm-hmm. head or I can't remember which one. Call it, you know, that that, knowing that that woman was a prostitute, but in Luke, I think it's in Luke, uh, that three, ver- yeah, three verses, in Luke 8, three verses before uh, Luke introduces us to Mary Magdalene as Mary, the one who had seven demons cast out of her. Because if you notice through scripture, when she's mentioned, and she's mentioned in all four of the gospels by name, but when she's mentioned, uh, it, it's always Mary, the one who had seven demons or who, yeah. you know, okay. So she never lost that reputation, even though she was made holy. That's how they identified who she was. And yet three verses before Luke, who was a historian, and I think very, very accurate in the way he described and told stories because of that, he, he had a lot of detail. Three verses before that, he talks about Mary and about the one that was washing Jesus, the woman who was washing Jesus' feet, and he didn't mention her name. But then three verses later, he, he introduces us to Mary Magdalene. So that's another reason it's highly unlikely that she might have been that woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Have introduced us, he would have said it back there, not waited to up here. You know? Right. So a lot of scholars think that's one of the things that lends itself to, to not thinking she was the woman. And I couldn't find anything that, you know, proves that, like you said, a lot of people tend to think that, but I'm not so sure that's correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting about her, too, is she is mentioned in all four Gospels, and she's mentioned so many times in all four Gospels that it's more than most of the apostles themselves were mentioned. I thought wow. that was interesting, um, yeah. which, again, is so out of the ordinary for a woman to be uh, recognized like that back mm-hmm. in that day. Um, mm-hmm. And yet Jesus had no problem recognizing and using women in ministries uh, and allowing them to serve him mm-hmm. um, and contribute to his ministry financially. So absolutely. And then for them, not only did they serve in ways that you would think, oh, okay, well then the women, they probably cooked meals and washed the clothes and, you know, rubbed the sore feet, but it wasn't just those ways because literally Mary Magdalene becomes the first evangelist. He's saying, you use your voice. And I, I know that that's an encouragement to those of us that have, are women who have a voice in ministry that Jesus himself as endorses 
those gifts and invites you to use your voice. And um, again, it's another example of God elevating intentionally, like he knew this was going to be an ongoing issue. And so to make it a part of the scripture that helps become our tangible piece of God's word that we get to have with us until Jesus comes again, he again El takes the time to say, no, Mary gets to go. Of course, I think part of the reason she got to be the first evangelist is she, early bird gets the worm. Like you said, Chris, <laughs> she was up early and she got there. <laughs> and so part of it is just because that's the kind of person she was. But I want to, I want to talk just one little minute about this demonic um, possession that she had, Simone, that we were, uh, you were talking about the seven demons. I have I've been doing a little research lately in um, mostly on uh, social media, hearing from young women who have come out of the divine goddess worship and the divine goddess worship is very much connected as a direct um, opposition to Christianity. And, and rather than worshiping um, God, the creator, you're worshiping mother earth. That's the divine goddess and it's the created and it's a very earthy getting connected to the earth and to the elements of nature and this kind of thing. A lot of unusual um, to us, obviously, ways that they practice their worship. It's a it's a pretty complicated way to worship, um, and that's very very different. But it's not anything new. It's actually the the same um, pagan practices of worship in the Old Testament, and it yields itself. The reason I want to get to this demonic part is because it is a worship of a. I, I personally lean toward every false god or competing god with a little g is um, has a demon driving that. So it's a demonically um, um, it, driven or inhabited uh, being. It's a spiritual being that is demonic, meaning that it has the same powers and limitations of the angels because the demons are the fallen angels. And... Um, so these women, what they've said that are coming out is that they um, they didn't understand anything about spiritual warfare, never felt like anything scary was going on with them. But they did uh, have as part of this worship, they would start having spirit guides and these would be companions, spirit companions that would come along and they were their friends and they would they would be there to direct them or to um, even tease them. They, you know, they were like companions that would do. But the minute they chose Jesus, these companions were antagonist. They became mean and um, frightful. And and so their testimony has been, as soon as I became a Christian man, I didn't have any time to even think about spiritual warfare. I was just in it because they realized that even yeah. though Jesus had come in, these demons had to get out and they themselves had to, had to denounce the power of these demons. Is this anything that y'all have done any research in or have any experience with? I mean, I've done a little research and a little, had a little experience with it too, and we talked about that in the past, man. But basically, like you said, these demons are uh, that possess people are are these people are in bondage to an evil spirit, like you said, a real fallen spirit creature. Mm -hmm. It's not some, you know, uh, it's it's just not the same as what a lot of people tend to think it is. Right. These demons are controlling their lives. Yes. And, and the two cannot coexist. The reason you know the demons have to get out is Jesus cannot coexist with them. He yes. Will not, not just he cannot, he will not do that. He will not give place 
to another God. Yes. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's much more real than many of us would like to think. Yes. Yes. And I agree with that. I think that we read these stories like Mary Magdalene delivered from seven demons and, and you know, we we're like, oh yeah, she was delivered. And then that child was delivered and that was, and then we're like, well, where are all those demons today? And you kind of mentioned it when you said this is more than just depression. You know, I think a lot of our demonic in the Western culture is manifested through some of these things, anxiety, depression, fear, you know, all of these um, mental responses to that kind of um of uh agitation they do come i mean demons are not out for your good but they they come as angels of light and that you think that they are light but you're right they do not they will not confess jesus as lord they don't smile upon you becoming interested in jesus and they're going to do everything they can to keep you away from from him and they don't mind how spiritual you are if you go to church or if you you know none of that's a problem it's just it really it's a personal vendetta against jesus it seems to me and they're not willing to allow you to uh to express that belief and all without that fight really good right and and they're violent one of the things that i learned from one of these testimonies that i had heard was that the demons the the spirit guides, you know, these companions come in very friendly, but then the deeper you go into the worship, the more um, they'll, they'll woo you in and say, it's such an honor for you to yield your body to my, um, to my control. And so at first you're yielding it, but then it gets to a point where you realize, oh no, their control is greater than than mine. And then their testimony has been, it's been very scary. But every one of these, and I think this is important to say, that have come out of this place have um, testified that Jesus trumps all. Like it's not even a close second. That when once you um, respond to Jesus, um, that he, like the demons do scatter, you know, we've always heard that if you just sing or um, if you feel like demons are tormenting you, you just start singing worship songs and you sing and you praise the name of Jesus that when you're worshiping and you're praising, they just run. It's like you turn the light on and they scatter. And that, of course, is their testimony, too. But they have talked about how they have to they have to go back and do soul searching to figure out where what what happened to their life that let that in and deal with that. And a lot of times it's unforgiveness, it's bitterness, you know, from the past, it's these other things, but the beauty of it is the Holy Spirit. And I think you made a good point of talking about intuition when we were talking about Mary, but I think that we, as children of daughters of God and children who have um, accepted Jesus's gift of forgiveness and salvation, we can trust our intuition more than maybe we think we can. And I think that when you're saved, even if you are saved, and I know some of my listeners may be people that are, that are coming out of that or have been messing with it and are curious, but when you're saved, um, Jesus will show you what it is that has to be dealt with. And you no longer have to be afraid at all of any of that demonic activity that you might have entertained or allowed around yourself or anything. And you can always go and have another believer who has been a believer for a while, just come in and pray with you, pray with you, pray in your home, pray um, over. I've been invited sometimes to pray 
over people's homes and um, just had a lot of great success in being able to not have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. One thing I was going to say, the only experience I've had, um, I have been in a situation where I sensed, um, you know, and I, I hate to even say it that way, but I sensed there was something going on mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not right, that was of an evil nature. But mm -hmm. the other experience was a woman who was saved out of the occult, uh, or, or she was, I don't remember if she was in the witchcraft or Satan worship, but she got saved and she was terrified of being baptized because she says, I'm going to be killed when I'm baptized. Oh, and wow. In the water. She just knew. And I think that's that demonic oppression and yes. an attack that came with that. And I saw her struggle through that. Mm -hmm. They finally got her in the water, but she was terrified. Wow. And, and it was not easy even after that happened. Mm -hmm. But I think we see throughout scripture, uh, especially how you see it in the Psalms and other places where it talks about the worship of the creation over the creator, that mm -hmm. that is the start of this worshiping anything other than God, because we right. begin to worship people who've been created or things that have been created or the beauty of the world. And instead mm -hmm. of worshiping the creator for who he was in creating them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is the invitation in, I think, and we have to be careful about that and and it becomes it also can become a worship of self really because you're worshiping your experience or your wisdom of your knowledge of that i'm not going to say wisdom because i believe wisdom yeah. comes from god and that's how to appropriately understand the knowledge we have yeah i've had some personal experiences like i said you and i've talked a little bit we've had some uh personal experiences but even as far back as when we were in seminary in new orleans that was during the 70s and that was when the the satan worshipers came over from england in force into new orleans particularly some other cities as well san francisco and a couple of others but mm -hmm. i had the opportunity i guess you would say and yet i was frightened to death mm -hmm. uh, to minister with one of our close friends who had a a coffee house where people who were runaways and were searching in for life and the meaning of it and God and all of these things they were searching for during that that hippie time mm -hmm. uh, they came in there and those Satan worshipers came in there mm -hmm. and I had some direct dealings and the the envelopment of darkness that I felt and sensed and the oppression of even not being able to breathe well mm. and and I have become very attuned or God has, is, has, is teaching me to become very attuned at times to things that are evil that I'm in the presence of or that are yes. in my presence. And I think that's important for us as believers, not that we're looking around every corner for a demon. I don't right. mean that, but right. at the same time to be aware to, as he says, try the spirits. Is yes. this of God? Is this of the flesh or is this of Satan? That's good. You know, and if it's, of, if it's of the flesh, it's probably of Satan too, because yes. our fleshly nature is 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 sinful. Yes. But if it, you know, it, there is a difference, and we need to know what is the motivation, not what's just being said, what's being done, but what is the motivation behind that? Is it of right. God? Is it something that, that glorifies and honors him? Or is it like you said, so much of this, and I see it coming in through sideways into the church itself through mm -hmm. some different things uh, of worshiping ourselves, loving ourselves, 
studying ourselves so much. And, you know, uh, it's, it's the old adage that I've heard all my life about uh, why would we want to study so much about Satan? Not that we don't need to know and be aware, but rather Jesus, who is the real thing. And Satan is just the one who imitates and, and all just like in, in with money, the bankers mm -hmm. don't st study, you know, the counterfeit, they study the real thing so well, right. that they know when they see a counterfeit or feel a counterfeit. And we need to focus on Christ and on who he is and who God is in and through us yes. instead of giving openness in our lives to these little things that may seem like fun or interesting, or I'd like to know more mm -hmm. about that. Sometimes that can be very dangerous. Right, right. Very dangerous. Yeah, that's good. And the enemy is always on the prowl, looking to pick off the children of God one at a time if he can. And he'll use any kind of little opening or chink in our armor that that will allow. So that's a good that is a, a good word. And it also goes back to Mary Magdalene um, and y'all making the point that most of the time that she's referenced, we're reminded that she was Every delivered time. of seven demons. So it hugely impacted her her persona i mean she was a living breathing example of what freedom in christ looked yeah. like and redemption and, and deliverance and yes renewal. yes the perfect picture of that yeah. because there was there was this there was this before and everybody was familiar with that and then there is this this woman who has and the, you know the total complete redemption in that she had a voice and god asked her to use it <laughs> I, know, I really that. researched to see if i could find one place she was mentioned and every time i found that it always was connected and i think that was not only a lot of them knew about her in the past and, and I don't think he stuck it as a stigma on her. I think rather mm -hmm. it was used to remind and to tell those who didn't know that look what can change. I love you know, that. You know. yeah. I love that. That gets me excited because I think about the opportunities God has to bring just radical transformation. And, um, and so here we are, women in ministry. Each of us, you know, you girls have said reluctantly, I... I volunteered for being in ministry from really almost the get-go when I got saved at 11 years old. I was ready for the adventure. So I came out, you know, ready to roll and y'all came maybe reluctantly to roll. But nonetheless, all of us have been um, women in ministry who've used our voices like Mary Magdalene has used hers. And even Mary used not only her life as a mother, but also her voice, you know. And um, in our in the context of today, women in ministry today, let's talk about and, and maybe be mindful of younger women in ministry, you know, those that are getting going in the, the 20s and 30 year olds. How can we use our voice in our world today? And what would be your advice from your your vast wisdom of the of the years <laughs> about how to use our voice well in this day and age? So I think you're saying we're old. I think that was the first. <laughs> we are. What is it? There's a proverb that talks about the white hair and it's, yeah. um, isn't it a crown? I'm old and gray. Lord yeah. And Simone has that beautiful crown. I'm just losing my hair. <laughs> I'm losing oh, I, know. I know that feeling. I do. Yeah. One thing I think to kind of bring all this back to what does it mean today is remember that both of these Marys were chosen by the Lord and he, I think one reason is he knew they were faithful. He knew mm -hmm. they were trustworthy. 
uh, to bear the son and to take the message to the disciples that he had mm -hmm. risen. I mean, those are just, he trusted them to do what he said. Yeah. yeah. The main thing um, I, we need to see through women we see in scripture is that we get to be a part of, of doing the ministry in the kingdom as women. Uh, he's called us to be women, but he's called us to speak into his work. And yeah. I think that we need to understand that that is going to connect with our own personal dreams and purpose we think we have for life, but be open to laying down it happening the way we envision it, maybe, to mm -hmm. do it his way. Yeah. It may not look like what we dreamed all our lives it would look like, or it may look it's out of the blue. And I'm like, I can know, Lord, I don't, that's not what mm -hmm. I'm here for. And yet when you say yes to him, then mm -hmm. we know he takes our weaknesses and makes it a strength because we're using his strength because we can't do it. And, I, and so knowing that we don't have to be afraid to take steps of faith, you know, just like when Joshua and the Israelites were going across the Jordan river to go into the promised land, when did the when did God provide the part, waters to part? Not until they put their feet in the water. That's it right. happened and then they walked across and they were waiting for that to happen so they could take the next step. And I think that's a reluctancy we're ten, we tend to have. Okay, God, show me the next things and what's it going to look like? And he's maybe given you one step to take, but you're waiting to take that step until you see the one that comes after that. Right, <laughs> and if we look at right. that example from from uh, the Old Testament, we see it, it didn't happen until they took the step of obedience He'd already given them. Yeah, and so, trusting that God knows the plan, I don't have to know the details. God knows the plan. I have to take the one step He has given me to take, and That's trust good. Him to open it, and know that we have an opportunity as women to impact the kingdom in ways far beyond anything we could have ever planned on our own or thought up or mm -hmm. imagined God could use us to be a part of kingdom work. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not talking about big major ministries necessarily. I'm talking about in everyday life. Yeah. We go That's into good. the day saying, Lord, today, how can yeah. I walk in your strength and honor you and allow the Holy Spirit to do through me what he wants. I just wish that's how I lived every one of my days. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That is good. That's rich. Well, one of the things I thought about is, as Chris was talking is I think that, you know, we had the privilege of coming in and kind of pioneering, if you will, some mm -hmm. of the ability of women to take a place, actual place formally in ministry which was not necessarily the thing when we were young women or teenagers. And so it's changed dramatically uh, since that day. But a lot of the younger ones I see now, one, one word of caution I think I would give to them or to me if I was that age, is they are so much more knowledgeable and more confident if they are called to serve and they know that early and it's not a fight, you know, and they've given in to that. They are so much more knowledgeable and educated. They have had so many more opportunities than we had that way to, to have that part of the confidence built into them that sometimes they want to push sort of the agenda of getting things moving more and faster. It's not fast enough for them. And I would say step back a step because uh, someone uh, very wise 
told me this, and I think this wisdom came from God, that we don't want to get so far out in front of our people that we appear to be the enemy. If you're on mm -hmm. a battlefield and the leader is right in front of you, you follow that leader into battle right. in right. olden days, especially the way they used to fight. Think sure. about that. But if the leader got way, way, way out in front of you on the field, they might mm -hmm. appear to be the enemy and get mm -hmm. shot in the process. Do you see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think some of, of us rush into ministry and wanting to do, like it's, it's what you said at the last, Chris, allowing God to do it his way, yeah, his thing in his time. And he may mm -hmm. use us in the same vein of ministry all our life, or I, he may move us from one to the other, you know, in different types of ministry. Yeah. And, and I've had people that were, wonderful Christians and couldn't understand why God wasn't going to use them anymore because he wasn't going to use them in that way. Hmm. He was trying to use them over here and they didn't want to do that. He had always done this. And so what's wrong with me now, God, why do you not love me anymore? And yeah. so we have to get ourselves out of the way, I think. And I, that yeah. would be my word of caution. Yeah. Wow. And that's a good word too, because that goes right back. Everything is circling back to how we first started talking about Mary. Yeah. And when she said, be it done to me, as you have said, that's one translation of it, be it done to me. Yeah. What she's saying is I'm not going to barrel through and oh goody, you chose me. So now I'm going to go make it work for us. Yeah. She didn't have that attitude. Her attitude was here. I am. I'm a vessel. Now you do what you want. And that that is a beautiful way to think about what I think that you're saying is for us to really, you know, we're walking by faith and not by sight. So let's let our ministries be evidence of that, that we are, that it's it's a God. And you talked to Simone about being a light and the light of God shines through us. That's what was happening with Mary Magdalene. She, yeah. The light of Jesus was shining through her because who is she? Oh, she's the one that was saved from the seven demons. Like this is who she is. And, um, and so we want to be like so filled with him. And how do we feel with him? We got to be empty, empty of ourselves. So we got to let go of our agenda and let go of our yeah. um, preconceived notions, let go of our frustration that it didn't happen that way and just be available. Like you said, Chris, every day, I just every day wanted to say today I'm available, whatever it is that you want to do. And that's really, that's the, that's that it. is truly, isn't it? Isn't that what ministry is? Yeah. Just, it's just a day to day walk. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And, and let him put in and take out whatever, whomever and mm -hmm. however he wants to put in and take out. It's a good thing. Ah, good talk. Thank you, girls. I appreciate y'all so much. What a privilege and an honor. My listeners, y'all just need to know that you just got for free what people pay to get that. <laughs> Thank you, you for asking us. We persevered, didn't we? <laughs> to get it done. So um, let me wrap this up. For you guys that have been listening, this was um, Chris Adams and Simone Monroe, two women that have been in women's ministry, really pioneers in women's ministry to do the, the women that were there making it what it is today for those of us that are, are serving and um, those of you who are getting started in your serve and our our heartbeat for all of you is to um, to allow the Lord to map out his plan in in your life as you just show up daily and, and walk in it and, and when you do that you're going to get to experience him in in big and beautiful ways so um Chris and Simone you got any other words for us today regarding our our Marys 
I, I think the only thing I would say is make sure that your relationship with Jesus is the number one focus you have as you are That's serving. Good. That's good. You need to get ahead of him or run or lag behind or get off track because we're all involved in doing the work of ministry rather than developing the relationship with him. Mm. Never stop developing the relationship. I don't care how old you are. That's good. That's I agree. Good. You don't. You need him more. I need him more every single day. Absolutely. Yes. I know less today than I knew 10 years ago, I feel like. <laughs> That's for sure. That's in the Bible. <laughs> That's right. That is for sure. Well, um, Simone, would you pray for our listeners as we close out? Okay. Lord, we just thank you so much for these two women that we looked at their lives today and, and what we were able to glean from them, the things that we thought about, the things that were introduced to us that were new and in different perspectives that really enlightened us in different ways than we thought had thought before. Uh, thank you for Leanne and her wisdom in, in presenting this series because women have had such a beautiful part in the gospel spreading uh, throughout the years. And we just thank you for these two and how one gave us the Christ, the one whom we worship, you, Lord, and the other one proclaimed him first to, to the world. And so we just are so thankful for their part and what we can learn and glean through that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank amen. you girls so much. Appreciate getting to be a part. It was fun. Thank y'all. I told you you were going to enjoy that conversation. I hope that you um, will continue to reflect on these amazing women that were like bookends to Jesus's earthly life and ministry, the two Marys. I'll tell you the part that is resonating with me that I just am meditating on a lot ever since we had that conversation is when Mary said, be it done to me as you have said. You know, just anything that can come into our lives that we think is um, out of the blue or that God somehow missed that and it just came at us. But to know that God is sovereign over all of that and that He is going to work it all together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. And so I don't know about you, but I'm really learning how to just rest in um, the circumstances that I'm facing and look for ways to honor the Lord in them. So I, I know that um, you enjoyed this conversation. I'm looking forward to being with you next time when I talk with one of my, um, another one of my great friends. I'm, I'm having so much fun introducing y'all to all the so very cool people that I know. But um, we're going to be talking about the S word in our next podcast. And um, so, um, uh, you know, hold your horses and get ready for that conversation. And it, I'll just tell you right now as a preview, that S word is not one of my favorites. But um, we're going to have a candid talk about it with Jackie Garner, who is the host of the Pastor's Wife Life podcast, a, a huge podcast that targets um, pastor's wives. So if you are not a pastor's wife, but you know one, and, and it's not me, because I know a lot of y'all are listening and I'm your pastor's wife, but you know another one, please share um, our podcast with her so that she can get to get in on that, but just because of Jackie being there. But that, pod, um, that episode that we're going to talk about next time, um, where we talk about the S word, is really for everybody, for all women everywhere. 
and I'm sure some men might enjoy it too. But anyway, looking forward to talking to you again next time in our next, um, uh, we're actually beginning to wrap up our Truth About Women series. As always, please take time to rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. And also um, go ahead and subscribe so that you can not miss a single episode. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you next time.